Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. And you, numbers to get in at 489-1240, 489-1240, toll-free, across the state, 800-825-5865. Loaded up today, Brandon Vogel going to join us from Hale Varsity. Some camp thoughts from Vogues. Dive in a little deeper to the offensive line and dorm life with uh, former Husker and NFLer Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Searles uh, sit-down. We Love catching up, talking fall ball with him. And then Gary Barnett will talk some conference expansion, his take on the buffs back to the Big 12, what happens with the Pac-12, and uh, some things he uh, might have a little insight on. That is quarterback play and running game, as he coached both at Colorado and Northwestern. So talk to him about Sims and Nebraska's run game. You can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. And watch the show. Contribute on the stream. We'll get your comments up that way as well. Uh, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Give that a follow at HVarsity Radio. You can find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Myself, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. So confession number two. Uh, I had ghost pepper for the first time last night. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like ghost pepper wings. Okay, okay. And I was wondering if you're sitting here like special ordered online just to go take a, no, a big old bite out of no, one. We are not going to do any hijinks like that to watch me pass out. Uh, but um, the best the, the best painting I've ever heard in my life of, of somebody using the term ghost pepper and you know how your hair gets all wet and you're sweaty is Ron White doing a stand-up act said after his honeymoon it looked like he'd been eating ghost peppers in his room all week. <laughs> so I, I i laughed out loud about that uh but uh, moving away from from that horrid image uh yeah I, I did some ghost pepper wings last night mistake didn't quite wash the old hands oh no as as i should have as well as i should have mm-hmm. but uh, we're okay we're, we're, we're hanging in. Well, where did they rank among the spiciest things you've ever eaten? Because we've talked spicy food it was, a decent amount here with the, with the cocktail sauce, now with yes, the ghost pepper it, wings. It, it, we'll get to football, but it was it was sudden. It snuck up. It was a good heat, but the, the remnants have not been good mm. as far as just how your stomach feels the 15 to 18 hours afterwards. So daddy's been hammering a little Pepto all day. Mm. No good. No good. But I did like him. Now, if, if you want to just get 
freaky and, and do the, the ghost pepper dry rub. There is that out there. And some folks, that's how they get down with their wings. Uh, I'm good for a while. See, I ordered some uh, specialty extremely hot hot sauces off of an online website. Uh, From? Should I, should I, it was called the Heat Mist. No, no, no. I, I'm asking, like, were they special spices from It was American hot sauce companies. Okay, that, 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 that they sourced in peppers from around the world. They're, the whole thing is they don't use the extract. They use the actual peppers. And I tell you, I made wings with those. And similar to you. Sinus problem gone. Sinus problem gone. And bathroom now, problems the next day. Now you're playing weight. Bathroom problems the next day, I tell you that much. And then being somebody who wears contacts, it does not matter how many times <laughs> you wash your hands, it's going to burn. Your eyes are going to burn. There's nothing you can do about it. Like, like whenever it gets hot enough, dish soap, hand soap, whatever you use, it's not going to be enough to get that off your hands aside from like throwing your hand into a vat of bleach. That's probably the only thing you can do. I don't recommend. No, Let me throw that out not. there right now. <laughs> but like, it's impossible to get that hot sauce off your hands and you are going to burn your eyeballs trying to get your contacts Imagine, out Imagine, new night. glasses? No, shut up. I had wings last night. <laughs> so let's get into some fall camp thoughts. It was running back day today and offensive side of the ball with Marcus Satterfield, EJ Barthel, uh, you had Gabe Irvin also speak. Ben Scott took to the mic. Borkature also uh, spent some time. So good round table today. And, you know, Nebraska is – there's not been a lot of talk or bragging or being boisterous. They, they've not done that. And, in fact, rules all about kind of that quiet confidence. Put your work in. Let your work show what you are and what you've become as a football team. Uh, totally appreciate that approach. Can, you can talk a little bit after, after the win, after a successful season, but being humble and nose to the grindstone is how you get work done and, and get wins in the Big Ten, but you also do that with the run game. Can't be over re, overly reliant on it. You need some sort of uh, threat in the passing game or – be it you know have a difference maker at quarterback for sure to match up with your defense, but Nebraska's goal is is out there in public. It is seventy five yards in the fourth quarter. Its goal is to have a strong running game. That's been their focus. I think they've got a good stable of backs. We'll get into the the guy versus the committee discussion because it all it is an August tradition. And, you know, Nebraska has some some options right now. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Barthel here in about 20 minutes. But wanted to, to start off here with uh, some comments from Marcus Satterfield when it comes to the running game. And uh, you look at uh, Sat talking about kind of the run, running back setup and where they're at as, as camp is in its early stages. But first couple weeks, you're going to have guys competing for that spot who's up to speed, who's ready to go, and who's doing nice things, uh, getting those tough yards, showing some burst and breakaway ability. But this is Sat on the running backs and uh, his thoughts from a little earlier today. Being you know, dependent, knowing what to do, dependent in pass protection, dependent catching the ball, dependent route running, dependent hitting your landmarks, just a guy that we can depend on. Uh, obviously, the physicality in which we play with, he needs to be able to you know, be durable and get the ball downhill, run between the tackles. And I think it's going to take more than just one. It's going to take two or three, especially in this league, the way these guys play defense. You know, it's going to be a, it'll be a long year for a running back as much as we're going to run it. So that was Satterfield. What, what is it going to take 
to get on the field and play for him? What's it going to take to get on the field and play for Coach E.J. Barthel? For us, for, for Nebraska football, we're going to run the ball with the line mindset. What that means is everything we do, we're going to attack with the line demeanor. And, uh, you know, you wake up a line and you do line things, right? A line, just make sure he, if he's going to hunt, if he, doesn't, if he doesn't kill, he doesn't eat, right? So that's the reality of how, how we want to run the football. Everything we do needs to be with a physical intent. And we want to dominate every rep, right? And we're going to fight, fight, and it goes back into that theme I'm talking about of earning every single yard, right? And that's... That's really the, the, the representation of our brand um, this camp is really earning your respect and earning every inch. And I think that starts with running the ball with a, a level of dominance um, upon tackles. Um, the other thing is, too, on pass protection, right? We want to make sure that we're setting the tone for, for pass protection. We don't want to be collecting the defense or collecting a defender upon contact. We want to have a great base and make sure that we deliver a strike um, that is, is setting the tone to who we are as a brand, which, are, which is Lions. Be a lion, Elijah. Be that lion mentality. Have that lion mentality as a running back. Can't argue with it. Now, does Nebraska have a lion? Do they have somebody dependable? Those are the two words we've heard these last two cuts, lion mentality, and uh, you got to be dependable. And right now, the most dependable they guy, the guy they have in that, that running back room, based on what we've seen the last three years, is Ramir Johnson. Mm. I mean, he, he has shown it against Iowa. He had his moments against Michigan. He really finishes off runs well. Not that Gabe Irvin hasn't made incredible strides we haven't seen. Not that Anthony Grant... Uh, doesn't have a better understanding of the blocking scheme. Well, and not to say Anthony Grant hasn't shown flashes of that lion mentality. Who's going to forget that moment on the sidelines against Rutgers where mm-hmm. this guy thinks he's going to step out of bounds? No, you know, a guy with a lion mentality doesn't step out of bounds. He lowers <laughs> the shoulder and he, he knocks you out cold. He, he goes night-night to a Rutgers DB. You've seen flashes of it, but then you've also seen moments where Anthony Grant seems scared to hit the hole inside and wants to bounce it outside and, and make it a big play, which, which doesn't scream lion mentality to you. But I'm with you on mm-hmm. this, where Ramir Johnson's the guy who despite his size, is the guy that has played most like a Big Ten running back, unafraid to, to run between the tackles and a, unafraid to put his head down and get an extra two, three yards up against that 250, 260-pound Big Ten linebacker. That's what he does. I'll say this. I don't think Grant was afraid. No. I think Grant was like, dude, I don't trust that there's going to be anything there. So that's kind of the, the, the trust building that is needed to happen during the spring, for sure during the summer. And again, as you step forward in the fall, a little bit more from Barthel here, and uh, he's not ready to go into uh, this uh, four-horse race at running back. We don't know who's going to be the starter or where he's leaning. You know, I think ultimately, Coach Rule, right now, we're not we're not talking about starters right now, right? Right now, we're really going to see who's going to represent the brand of football that we want to put out there. Uh, against Minnesota, right? So really we're still in that earn it phase right now. And I think no one's really separate themselves um, as the clear guy or, you know, and the reality is we're going to have to use multiple guys throughout the season. That's that's the reality. So the biggest thing is the bottom half of our room, we got to make sure it's ready to play, right? That's getting Quentin Ives ready to play, getting Emmett Johnson ready to play. When I say bottom half, I'm talking about youth. I'm not talking about um, uh, a talent. And um, Trevin Lubin, right, being ready to play. So that's that's the biggest thing. The other thing is, too, is getting those guys prepared for special teams, right? 
you know, you may carry only four or five backs, right? Those guys that are on the bottom half, or bottom half of the room, need to be solid contributors on special teams on game day. So there's a lot of things going on right now we're trying to, you know, work through for camp and to get ready for Minnesota. Makes a lot of sense from EJ Barthel and you know, can you can you can you help out your football team beyond what you're brought here to do and that's run the football? Can you help out on special teams? Can you catch the football? Can you block? Can you do it? Do you know the playbook? Are you durable? Are you tough? Last thought here from Satterfield uh, when it comes to what he prefers at running back. The preference is to have Bo Jackson, right? But, you know, <laughs> yes, it there's is. not a lot of Bo Jacksons that are, you know, are out there. So we've got, you know, a room full of really talented guys that do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to be one of those teams that have five running backs to get two carries a game. We want some guys that have a role on our off- or in the offense. But, you know, it's, it's going to take more than just one this year for us to be successful. I, I like hearing that. I like hearing that if I'm in that running back room. Where's your role? You think about Ramir as a guy that is an every down back and a really good third down back. You look at Gabe Irvin as the, uh, the, the between the tackles guy. And then you look at a guy like Anthony Grant. He's the twitch guy that can hit you a home run with his speed. And he's, he's your game breaker. He's also very physical. He's got the speed and the physicality. That's a nice combo he has. You want to you want to have somebody emerge, take over, separate, and then sprinkle in some of the the things these other guys can do role wise against opposing defenses. I just don't know that Nebraska is going to be able to find by Michigan a running back. I think they'll I think they'll keep keep the rotation going. Then you stick with the hot hand, and if someone's not getting it done or not as successful, you go somewhere else. That sounds fine to me. That's how football is played. It's not every day you have an Amir Abdullah or a Rex Burkhead or a Roy Halou to lean on. And it's been, quite frankly, too long since Nebraska's had a guy or the guy. They've had to go committee. And Schmidt, I know that the coaching staff doesn't want to talk about starter or guys who are going to be at the top of that room, but you have to feel the momentum towards Gabe Irvin within the past month or Very two fair. months, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it just feels like a guy who put in the work in the offseason and is is ready to go. I mean, do you read into the fact at all that they're the putting him up there to, to go talk with the media today? I mean, along with Ramir Johnson. Ramir Johnson met mm-hmm. too, but do you read in the fact that Anthony Grant's not a guy who's meeting with the media? Is that is that indicative of what's happening on the field or no? I don't read into it. I don't know how comfortable Anthony is. I mean, he'll do some interviews. Uh, good comment from Judd here. My gut says Gabe gets the first snap at running back this season. Hopefully they use two running backs out of a shotgun sometimes. That is a fun and really tough formation to deal with, especially if you've got two guys that can lead. Now, you're going to have your fullback or your H-back in there, presumably, but can can both running backs, if you're in a shotgun snap with a guy flanked to each shoulder pad, can they both block at the same level for the other guy? And I'm, I've been saying this for weeks. I think we're not just going to see that a little bit. I think we're going to see that a good amount this season. And maybe I'm way off base here, but that's been a trend that we've seen in the NFL. And where did Matt Rule just come from? The NFL. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, it's a trend. It's where football's moving. If you have two backs back there, you can't just immediately go say, well, the fullback's on the right, the running back's on the left. We know this thing's going right. You can't say that when you have two running backs back there. It could go either direction. Either guy could be the lead blocker. Either guy could be the guy who carries the rock. And also at the same time, when you have that threat of a guy like Jeff Sims, 
you also have to account for him pulling it and going the complete opposite direction. I mean, the, the amount of things that allows you to do in the running game whenever you have two running backs back there, both of whom can tote the rock and both of whom can go out and be a lead blocker, it opens so, so much for your running game. The, the zone read part of that with two backs... Two, there's a couple of two-back sets that stick out. And this is A&M back 100 years ago. But they had Javorski Lane and Jamar Toombs. Two big backs, but one had more speed than the other. The other was a Jerome Bettis clone. And A&M wore out teams with the zone read out of the shotgun, fake into the fullback, quick pitching outside. Also Florida State. Sorry to bring this team up in 93. But they had Warwick Dunn and William Floyd. Floyd played a hell of a lot of football this fullback. They would split both those guys out, and Charlie Ward would be in the shotgun. And they'd audible into an I formation out of that shotgun formation. Good uh, good submission there, Judd. Brandon Vogel going to join us next to Tale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. So we're being ditched by Vison Sports Network's Danny Burke tomorrow. Wow, he's at Lollapalooza. Oh, that's fair. Have you seen the lineup this year? Yeah, uh, Billy Eilish, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Those are the three I'm familiar with because I'm old. I think the 1975s there too. They are. Yeah, are they yeah. good? Uh, they're like um, alternative rock, if you will. Yeah. Brandon Vogel joins us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogues, have you attended a Lollapalooza? Um, no, but for a couple of years there, Big Ten Media Days in Chicago, uh, particularly was right there on, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the street, um, used, to, used to cross over. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The I remember that. Big Ten Media Day would be the day before Lollapalooza kicked off. So you'd see, you knew it was Lollapalooza time because a lot of people would be walking around in like a vintage champion NBA jerseys. That was like the the hipster move six years ago. Um, so I, I always knew it was like, oh yeah, Lollapalooza is, is here again. I made it to one Lollapalooza. This would have been uh, my first year working here with Do you. Do you remember? 2019, not much. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. I had a grand old time Kidding, there. dad. Uh- <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think I've told this story of how we're at this this metal show. It was awesome. It was, it's Idols, a British rock band. You know those British rockers? Like, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't mess around. And I got my sunglasses stolen directly off of my face. Nice pair of sunglasses, a pair of Ray-Bans, in a mosh pit. So, like, we're in a mosh pit. Like, some guy comes up and, like, half punches me in the face and grabs my sunglasses off my face, and they fall to the ground, and the crowd shifts me away from my sunglasses, and I see this guy's hand come down and take my sunglasses, and I never saw them again. That's uh, the old uh, My Bike punk, right? Still an incredible weekend. From uh, from Friday. That's funny. Uh, so let's dive into some football, Vogues. And I don't know how to transition from Lollapalooza to uh, the running back room. Uh, maybe we go, who's the Billie Eilish? Who's the Kendrick Lamar? Who's the Red Hot Chili Peppers of the running back room? I kind of kid. But what do you like here about uh, the options Nebraska has? Coach Barthel and, and of course, Satterfield spoke 
about the the running game, the importance. We know that. That's how you win in the Big Ten. But, you know, uh, if, if, if I'm talking about who's the, the most – I don't want to say competent, but who's who's your every down guy right now? I'm leaning Ramir without having seen any practice. I know there's a lot of love for Gabe, and that's deserved because he's super talented. And I'm not saying he can't do what, what Ramir does, just a different body type. And then I'm intrigued by General Grant. Can Anthony unleash the fury here this uh, senior season? Because he's super talented. I love his home run ability. Yeah, Um Ramir Johnson's got to be the red hot chili peppers. Um, somehow he's only a junior. It feels like he's been around forever, um, which is good. I'm, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad he's still here. And, uh, you know, every year it kind of feels like he's got a chance. And then, you know, sometimes he, he gets that chance and sometimes he doesn't. I think he'll, he'll get real long look this year. So I guess that makes the grant and, um, Irvin, and you can choose which one is which, Eilish and Kim Lamar. They're both they're both Buford, Buford, Georgia, Buford High School grads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Grant Grant went to Florida State and then Juco route. So uh Irvin was a couple years behind him. So but they're more contemporaries, um, not the old heads like like red hot chili peppers. So that's where I'll go with that. If I had to guess right now, if I had to put a bet down on who leads Nebraska in rushing, I'd put it on Urban. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. He's had he's had a pretty good offseason. Um, we obviously saw some of that promise his freshman year in particular, and and then didn't get to see it as Nebraska really moved way more towards the past than I think they even wanted to uh, with the way things went down last season. But I've been I've been impressed with what I heard from him so far. You know, looking at those South Carolina offenses under Satterfield. I think last year's offense ran the ball about 30 times a game. And the year before that was three, six, their, their leader in carries both years was right at 12 carries a game. Mm -hmm. And then they had like two more who were out four or five, which sounds really low, but you know, if you're old, I I would expect Nebraska, if they run this the way they want to run it, they'll be closer to 40 carries a game than they will be 30. So that means 10 more to sprinkle amongst, amongst them. But his comment about they want guys to have roles I think is good. I think it's, it's smart. It's just it's once you get into the games, it becomes hard to to parcel that out and get to the end of the year. Like, yeah, we really like this guy. He got five carries a game. It's Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And speak, can we go to the phones real quick? Pete's been hanging on patiently. Sure, Pete, go for it. What's up? How you doing? Good. What do you What do you say? I guess I guess you need to update me a little bit because I never heard uh, AJ Allen, and he was probably the most talented back we had before his injury. Uh, if he's still with the team, uh, I would say he's going to play a role. He He's going to play a big role at Miami. Oh, he, he transferred? He did, yeah. He did. Oh, that sucks. Well, I didn't know. Not, not a worry, Pete, but no, we, we liked A.J. Allen. We it's loved A.J. Allen, actually. Tough that he, uh, he hurt the collarbone last year. And uh, could you kind of uh, – Go over the fullbacks. Do we have fullbacks now, or and who who are they? Because that would probably be my second favorite uh, running back. Okay. Hey, Pete, thanks for the phone call. We can have a fullback chat here. I mean, Bonner's the guy who got the Frank Solich tribute, but there's been other fullbacks added to the roster. Yeah. Some guys transferring yeah, in. Liebentritt was an Omaha kid yeah. that went to Notre Dame. He's transferred in as a walk-on. He's a scut kid. It does sound like Bonner is the, the leader in that room, but I still stand by what we said back in the first segment, Schmidty, in that – 
I'm not too sure. And I think Bonner is going to be involved in the offense mm-hmm. this year um, because of what he brings to the field. I'm still not convinced, though, that whenever you think of the fullback at Nebraska moving forward, it's going to be that that traditional guy. It's not Rathman. That you know what? He's not going to get many <laughs> carries. He's going to come in and be primarily a blocker. I still think we're going to see some of those two running back sets with Grant and Irvin or even with Ramir Johnson and Grant or, or pick your two running backs there. And on any given play, one of those guys is going to be considered the fullback on a play, and one of the guys is going to be considered the, the running back, whoever gets the ball. Mm-hmm. I'm still of the mind that that's what we're going to see more of this year as opposed to the true traditional fullback that you think of. Vogues, does the fullback have more catches than carries this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, particularly if, you know, if Bonner is your starter at that position right now, I mean, I think it kind of tells you what they want to do with it. He's, he was a wide receiver last year. Um, so it's kind of that hybrid, you know, new NFL style of fullback that's, you know, tight end, part fullback. Although, you know, we, we did hear some, some some praise for Barrett leaving Tritt. You know, guy you mentioned uh, transferred from Notre Dame, Omaha Scott alum. Um, he gives you some some more of that, I guess, more traditional fullback. So if they want to get some carries from that spot, um, he, he's a guy that can do that. Trevor Ruth came in from, from Kearney, um, from Nebraska Kearney. It kind of looks like that more prototypical type there. But I think – the point of having a fullback like that in today's game is because if you have the right guys, it allows you to be pretty versatile and, and create some matchup issues. So I think it'll be more of that than, you know, a guy who's asked to, to, to lead block 20 times a game and then, you know, get four carries. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mystery still with what this offense is, but that's where I guess this is going. And whenever you talk about the, the fullback in the NFL, which I alluded to back last segment, I mean, go look at the Rams offense. Their fullback is a, a six foot two, 215 pound wide receiver in Ben Skoranek. That's the guy that they have in lining up in the backfield. And what does he do? He stresses a defense because of his ability to go out and catch passes from that fullback position. You know what? He's not unwilling to throw a shoulder into a guy, but whenever I think of what Jenner, or, yeah, Jenner and Bonner's, mm-hmm. uh, impact could be on that offense. I really look at, at what the NFL is doing with their fullbacks and guys like Skoranek, who you'd never see him traditionally as a fullback, but that's what he does technically in that offense. Bogues, want to go back to the two-back set. I went to Javorski Lane, Jamar Toombs, William Floyd, Warwick Dunn as some teams that could go shotgun with two backs and then line up in the eye whenever they wanted to and, and just get downhill. Um, does your imagination run wild here with, you know, what Nebraska could do in the run game and even in the play action game with, uh, with a two back, with, with a two back, uh, shotgun formation. And I mean, that's, that's three, uh, three heads. You got to worry about carrying the football. Yeah. So why not go three? I mean, my mind immediately goes to the Tim Becker, um, the diamond vaunted diamond formation <laughs> with uh, Aaron Green, Braylon, Braylon Hurd and Amir Abdullah. I think I, I, I remain convinced. I've never run the numbers that Nebraska averaged like 12 yards of play out of that formation, but they, they only, you know, showed it like four times a game, which, which probably helped keep that average up there. But, a touchdown every um, time, man. Yeah. You can, I mean, had, had wheel routes out of that. That was a ton of fun. Um, but anyway, to the two back side, I mean, certainly it's, it's possible, like, you know, from what I've watched of, of South Carolina, you know, and South Carolina is a different deal. It's like, it's kind of all you have to go on most recently with Satterfield, but you had Spencer Rattler, a different kind of quarterback. And, you know, it's just, you, you do what your talent dictates you can do. So, 
I mean, I think with the depth Nebraska has at running back, they'll find ways to to get multiple backs on the field, especially with somebody like Johnson, who I think is, you know, as good a pass catcher out of the backfield as they probably have at the moment. Um, they'll, they'll come up with ways. If it, you know, I don't know if it'll be the traditional Tecmo Super Bowl two back shotguns setup, but um, we'll see. I mean, speaking of mystery with the offense, how much time will they be in shotgun? Mm. That'll be interesting as well. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, I want to ask you the, the same question that I asked Schmitty back in segment one, and that's that that the, the players that are going up in front of the media, I'm not sure if I should read into that or not. Do you read into the fact that, that Gabe Irvin's the first running back to go meet with the media here in the fall? And I know Ramir Johnson also met with the media here this morning, but do you read into the fact at all that it's, it's Gabe Irvin first, not Anthony Grant, whenever you think about a potential running back pecking order? Because he did say that you think the, the, the momentum is moving towards Gabe Irvin being that guy to take the first snap against Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you wouldn't want to put too much into that, but it's the sort of thing I would know. Um, you know, when when those things happen, I do think it's I do think it's telling. I mean, well, we think back to the first like player access we had under this new staff in January, or maybe it was right before the February signing day, um, and it was it was Chief Borders and Thomas Fedoni. Um, the two guys that kind of led them in their off-season points system that they had and the competition that they had. Those guys were chosen for a reason, and and I do think you know maybe that and there always will be some guys who are great players, could even be great leaders, in their own way, who would just be like, yeah, if you're not gonna like tell me I gotta do the media, I'd just rather not, and, and that's totally fine. Um, but for the most part, I think the people who get asked get asked for a reason, and I especially feel that with this staff, like there seems to be some intention behind almost everything that they do. Brandon Vogel with us from Hale Varsity at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. It's where you follow him and find him. And Vogue said it's kind of a running back day, and we'll see how things shake out moving forward with the committee, the roles, and can Nebraska hit that benchmark more times than not of 75 yards in the fourth quarter. We'll check in with you this weekend. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There he is, Brandon Vogel in his football office. We'll get to some of your comments in the stream. Brandon and uh, Brandon will chime in with you. Moonbot7 is RSVP'd. 489-1240-800-825-5865. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 489-1240. Hale Varsity rolls forward on a Thursday. We'll have Gary Barnett at 525. Jeremiah Searle's going to join us. Talk about some of the uh, upside to this offensive line and run game. We've got quite the debate going on on uh, fullback usage, which is great. We'll go to our friend Brennan in uh, the Black Hills. Anthony Grant gives me a strong Fred Taylor vibe uh, when he's on. I, I like that comp. Freddie Taylor played 400 years in the NFL and was uh, darn good. And he's always a great answer if anyone out there plays the football immaculate grid. It's nice to find those journeyman types. Fred Taylor's always a great answer, along with Frank Gore. Those are two yeah, great Frank running backs Gore. that they've played most places in the NFL, honestly. Uh-huh. They, they are as old as the NFL. <laughs> so Brandon chimes in, I'm extremely worried with a fullback being a runner in the Big Ten. 90% of the defenses are talented, totally agree. And in stopping the uh, the slow power run game, well, is it is it a situation where 
you're going to use the fullback on third and one, and it's a statement play call. You know what's coming. Can you stop it? Can you stop and penetrate on the offensive line? Can we get the foot and a half we need, even though you know it's coming down? We're going to demoralize you with this play call. We're going to demoralize you in the red zone when it is uh, really tight quarters on the line of scrimmage, everyone stacked up. So that, to me, is 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 the statement opportunity with the, the fullback play call. Uh, Scott chimes in, like Scott's comment as well, with the fullback. And uh, he says, I'll let you put her up. There we go. The fullback run game is all about surprise. T.O. hit the hit him with the fullback or um, uh, on the, um, uh, the opportune time. I imagine that's what we'll see with this staff. The fullback trap or the quick hit is glorious. And you get a bowling ball like Makovica downhill or you just get that quick fullback give. It's a quick hitter. Yeah, it is It is the, the surprise element because you forget about him. Schlesinger inside the five. It's still in your head from the Orange Bowl win over Miami. No, it's a, it's a surprise. But it's also that battering ram that's hopefully going to wear out your linebackers that you're playing against for, for three quarters, and then they're ready to tap out in the fourth. Easier said than done. I think both are true here with – with what Scott's talking about, the surprise element, and I think with you know with what Brandon's talking about here, you're not going to want to call the fullback uh, all the time, every time. You need a little variety. I think the surprise part, though, is very true. Yeah, and, and look at how the NFL is utilizing the fullback, and I've brought this up multiple times now. I watched a whole YouTube video on it, a whole film The old breakdown. fullback YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, shout out to Brett Coleman on YouTube. Go for it. Some of the best NFL breakdowns out there. But look at the teams that utilize a fullback and utilize a fullback a lot. Spider 2Y banana. Well, I mean, think about like the, the fullbacks that you think of in the NFL right now. Uh, Patrick Ricard from the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Who, what do they have him doing? Pre-snap, he's motioning and uh, getting into new spots where the defense has to adjust to it. So it's not, oh, the fullback's here. We can expect him to be the lead blocker. You're motioning him around pre-snap. And then whenever it's play action, you're running screens to him on the backside. Mm -hmm. You're sending him out uh, in little flat route patterns where you essentially use him like a tight end out of the backfield. You look at Juszczyk from the 49ers. He's fantastic. They run him on wheel routes. They run him on post routes. They're doing stuff out of the backfield that you'd never imagine a fullback doing. And then uh, I brought up Ben Skronik with the uh, the Rams. Rams. It's the same way. He's in the backfield. They're motioning him pre-snap, and they're using him as a wide receiver out of the backfield. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Nebraska moved a wide receiver in Bonner back to the backfield so you can utilize it like that. Is he going to be in there to block? Yeah, I'm sure he is, but it's the surprise element is no longer the, the fullback trap in the NFL. They might pull it out on third and short, but it's more that element of this guy's a blocker, this guy's a blocker, the play starts, it's play action. Oh, we have to care about this guy in pass coverage now because he's running a wheel route down the sideline, and who the hell thinks about the fullback going out for a route in, in football nowadays? You don't. That's where the surprise element comes from, and it's about utilizing your, your fullback in that backfield as a guy who is – as talented as a, a lead blocker as he is as a guy who can go out and catch passes or a guy that can uh, motion in the backfield and, and stress a defense that way. There's so many options for what you can use a, a fullback like in modern football that it's, it's, it's not like what it was back in the 90s whenever you think about Tom Osborne using the fullback. Well, and listen, you've got your Moose Johnsons, your Lorenzo Neals, where they, they go about 5'9", 
they're a fire hydrant, they got a quick burst, and their their shoulder pads are as wide as this table I'm sitting at. I always at. think of Ironhead, uh, Ironhead Hayward. Hayward. Right, yeah, led, the, uh, led, led college football in rushing at Pitt. So, no, you can use him. The thing with Bonner, though, is he is a problem. He's a problem for a defense because of his athleticism, his size, his speed, his agility, and, and yes, his physicality. You put all of that together, he can do whatever you want him to do on offense, and it's not going to be a tell, right? There's tendencies, there's formations, this is what they run out of this. If you're, if you're worth a damn in scouting, doesn't matter. Yeah, you can put Bonner in there, and he can do all sorts of things. I think he's going to be used. He should be. And if he is a matchup issue, whether he's catching the ball out of the slot or he's lined up at tight end or he's carrying the football or it's the uh, the, the throwback screen to a fullback, all good. Don't care. Just make it happen if I'm a Nebraska fan on offense. But there is the romance of the fullback in Nebraska. They, they It is awesome. Uh, the amount of prestige fullbacks have in this state because of of the unsung grunt dirty work. And it's just cleaning somebody up every play. It's taking on a linebacker. It's making the it's uh, the, the, the Nebraska kid named Schlesinger opening the hole, getting through the hole, and then here comes your stud running back that's untouched. Now he's past the second level, and you got something going. Mm. Yeah, and... and- I'm excited to see what the fullback position looks like. And I think a lot of Husker fans out there fall into that same boat because you do have a lot of options with what you can do. Cause you have multiple body types back there in that fullback room as well with uh, Bonner's one guy, you have Liebentritt, another guy is that we have a, there's a bug stuck in between our two wins. It's the bugs problem. Anyway, anyway, sorry, I got distracted there for a second, but you have Bonner, you have Liebentritt, you have different types of fullbacks back there. I think there's multiple different things they're going to be able to do. And, I'm going to go back to the point I made where a two running back set in the backfield with Irvin and Grant or whoever the two running backs are seen as a fullback as well. I think what Husker fans may think of when they think of a fullback is not what they're going to see from the fullbacks in this offense, but I think they're still going to appreciate what the fullback brings to the offense. It's it's not in the 90s. It's not the 80s anymore. But what a fullback in the modern sense can present to your offense is still something to be very excited about. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a matchup winner for you on offense. So we'll spend a little bit of time on conference realignment. We'll get Coach Barnett's thoughts less than an hour from now on that as uh, Coach will have some thoughts here with the Pac-12, with the Big 12. And what's next for the Big 10? I know uh, Commissioner Petiti has given some exploratory vetting of Oregon and Washington. That's the the latest report. The Big Ten does not want to seem predatory. They're waiting for uh, Arizona to decide to leave, and once things start crumbling, then we're just scooping up the leftovers. And I'm not calling Washington or Oregon a leftover, but they are being proactive, no doubt. I'm sure there's been back channels and calls. Hey, will you take us? What's your reduced number? Uh, we'll make it work. We need a landing spot. So uh, I, I would love that. Uh, we'll get Barney's take on the Cal and Stanford topic. Doesn't excite me at all on a football sense. Uh, we'll also continue uh, getting some insight from a guy who played that offensive line at an amazingly high level. Jeremiah Searles, 15 minutes away, hour one, winding down at Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Winding down this first hour, it's Hail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Subscribe to it. Check out the video as well. The Hail Varsity YouTube channel is where you go. That is also a subscription for you. And guess what? It's the subscription you love best. Doesn't cost you anything. That's a great uh, form of subscription. So you can watch the video. Check that out. You can get the podcast, the audio. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, get the entire show, take it with you, or just find the segment you want to hear and uh, roll that way. So workers' comp could be on your mind. Are you confused about the options of your workers' comp compensation claim? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law and help ensure that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today, the team at 402-393-7529, or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529 for your workers' compensation claim, if you have one. So uh, you, you have uh, a lot of uh, thoughts and Feelings about expansion. We touched on it. There's this eye roll for the Bay Area. Do they care about football? No. Do you probably work for somebody or know somebody who works for somebody that went to Stanford? Maybe if you're in the tech industry. Uh, the Stanford Cal thing does nothing for me aside from the glorious California pitch play that beat John Elway in 82. You do have Oregon and Washington. Washington's top 10 with a bullet. They're dynamite. You have one more year of Penix, I think. Probably, maybe. Oregon, Bo Nix, their money. Uh, what are those teams going to be like after this year? Those are your two favorites in the Pac-12 along with USC. And here's a, an interesting thing I saw on Twitter today. Unsubstantiated, but it was reported by a, a smaller West Coast reporter. Uh, name escapes me. I should have saved the tweet. You're I apologize. Good. I want to give him credit. But he said he's been talking to some of his industry sources, and he says that according to what they've been telling him, the Big Ten has been searching back channel uh, through the, the ESPN, ABC execs, trying to, to see if there'd be any interest in a Big Ten after dark on ESPN. You already have Fox. You already have CBS. You, all four. you already have NBC. Now you can say, hey, you want a, a, a 9.30, a 10 o'clock kickoff on ESPN? We can have six teams on the West Coast in Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, USC, and UCLA, and we can open it up one weekly Big Ten after dark game out on the West Coast. That That's we can brilliant. And we can sell it to ESPN, and now we're on every single major network. That is brilliant. Can you match or exceed what Apple was going to pay you? Uh, what are we talking, $30 million a year per team in the Pac-12? That's what Apple's offering. Apple's deal expires tomorrow, mm. right? So, and, and maybe that, that's an option. I mean, streaming and what, what uh, you're going to have some of the must-see games will be on Peacock anyway on that streaming platform. And I, I don't have Peacock, but I'm sure that my wife wants another show to watch, so we may get it. We may have to, to pull the trigger. While we're at it, let's get HBO Max. Yeah. Have you seen the new documentary that's going to be coming out on Bishop Sycamore? No. The trailer dropped today. They talked with the coaches. Where they, they had 21-year-old players. players. There's a, a HBO is doing a documentary on them coming out, uh, I believe, a little bit later this month on their beatdown against IMG and what was really going on behind the scenes. They didn't have teachers. It was a football program. Didn't have enough helmets. The kids are sharing helmets. And IMG annihilated and, them. And they got the head coach, the mastermind behind it all, to sit down for an interview. Wow. What'd that cost? 
to get that interview? Yeah. Who knows? But I'm sure it costs money based on how Bishop Sycamore operated. Uh, possibly. Jeremiah Searles, hang tight. He's coming up. Hour two on the way with Hale Varsity. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. We bring in our favorite Husker NFLer and agent, Jeremiah Searles, in his Husker Den. If you're watching, you see the Husker helmet, the Viking helmet. And as he moves to his right, we got Carolina up top. And then, rest in peace, San Diego. San Diego. San Diego. So, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm finally getting a chance to take a breath here as recruiting season for me winds down a little bit. And I let all my, all my little birds fly free as they head to training camp. So, uh, it's been good, uh, uneventful, which is always good this time of year, and just getting really excited for some preseason football. Yeah, you've got the NFL in action tonight. Nebraska is trudging forward early on in their fall camp. Uh, take me back to uh, a younger Searles and dorm life, and you hear that 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 commitment to uh, to kind of embrace the suck, right? Mm-hmm. You grind together during camp and. Let's start with camp and how maybe it opened your eyes. Maybe you were ready for it. I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to, to that move into the uh, the dorms with you. Yeah, so they're all they're all in Selleck dorms right now, which is near and dear to my heart. That's where they dropped us off. That's where <laughs> they dropped us off in college in June when we all showed up as freshmen and we went in there and it was us, the blind kids, and the foreign exchange <laughs> kids. That's that's who was on campus in summertime there. And uh, so watching them all move back into the dorms brought back some memories for me of young Searles trying to figure out his life there at Selleck Dormery. But, you know, there is something about embracing the suck, you know, even in even in NFL. You know, I loved when we went to camp in NFL and we went to the dorms. Like when I was in Mankato, when I was in Buffalo, like we went to dormitories. We went to colleges and we stayed in dorms. Like, and I enjoyed it because there is something about, you know, everyone's equal. There, there is no, like, this guy's going home to his penthouse. I'm going home to the hotel, right? Like, we're all in this together. We're all eating the same food. We're all doing this. So, like, let's just all work really hard and get through this. So, I love it. I'm all about it. You know, I know that Coach uh, Coach Rule came from Carolina, so he put them all in the dorms there in Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, the hottest place on earth. You can't <laughs> convince me otherwise. Um, you know, so I'm all about it. I love it. So it was last night we saw a video, Malachi Coleman, some of the other receivers pranking Coach Garrett McGuire. And I got to ask, from your time at Selleck, who was the prankster? Was it you? Or, or were there any good pranks that you saw pulled off during your time there? Dude, funny enough, we actually did that prank to a friend. And we called it the Dixie because we used Dixie cups. We put, over a, we put over 500 Dixie cups full of water in one of the swimmers, in one of the swimmers uh, dorm rooms because she was a prank war. After the spring game, she actually wrapped my entire truck in pink wrapping paper. <laughs> and, like, we, we had a pretty good prank war going back and forth um, through that whole time, you know. But as far as as far as far dorm life, like, I just can remember, you know, you, you have a – you come home and your RA is yelling at you because it's too loud in the middle of the night or whatever it may be. But that's the kind of stuff that, 
you get to do in the dorms you don't get to do anywhere else you know when you move to those apartment style dorms that the players are in now you know you kind of lose some of that stuff to it so yeah i we had some pranks going on back and forth but you know i think that's pretty funny were they borderline evil uh and who is the mastermind here so they weren't evil you know one maybe so, a bad maybe a bad choice of words yeah not evil they were all in good fun um you know they were all in good fun but lydia ridgeway was the swimmer nick ash and ron kellogg were the ones on our side and you know and so we had some good ones the worst one she got me with is so i stole a traffic cone one time and borrowed had in the back of, had in the back of my truck and she actually got a like a lincoln nebraska letterhead like from the police department typed up that i was fined like twenty five hundred dollars and like put it in my car because i had it in the back of my truck like put it on and like filmed the whole thing as i was like freaking out like i can't pay this like going on so that was that was where we called it even uh after that one because i was pretty panicked after that one so she did win the war man <laughs> what was it what was the parking cone for I don't remember. I think I used it. I think I used to use it to save me, save me a spot. <laughs> like I think I used to like back out and throw the parking cone down in in the spot so that I could always have a spot when that's I came genius. back. That's a genius. That's a good yeah, one. <laughs> I think that's what I, I mean. Honestly, I think that's what freshman Jeremiah did. So you know, parkings will come out of you around here. That was pretty good. Searles uh, season's going to be here before we know it. Minnesota is waiting, and uh, a lot put on this offensive line. Things have been said. Uh, things are also remembered. Uh, with this O-line group, and uh, they're trying to put their best foot forward. We talk about the O-line a ton. Uh, we heard from Scott earlier today, and uh, he also uh, from Turner earlier. As things shape up and, you know, what Nebraska wants to do, and we, we talked identity a couple weeks ago, you know, are you feeling all right with, you know, where Nebraska wants to go to be run first? That's a great want but can it actually be a reality that 75 yards in the fourth quarter, that that uh, benchmark is also, a, again, a great number, but can it be done in the Big Ten? Yeah, it has to be. You know, you look at recent recent success of the teams that are not Ohio State in the Big Ten, it's because they've had a great running game, right? They've had the ability to finish games in the fourth quarter with the ball in their hands. They've had the ability to convert third and ones and fourth and ones where it's that high red where it's not quite field goal range but you don't really want to punt like those all rely on the run game especially as you get late into november right i think of teams like minnesota iowa the wisconsin's of old even purdue you know at times they really just had the ability to line up and just pound it up the middle and i think rules looked at what the big 10 is enough he understands that you know your offense is built around your offensive line and we've got some good backs with gabe irvin and and Grant and Ramir, and you know, we have some guys back there that have proven to be very good, effect, effective ball carriers. You know, so you want to lean on those guys, especially when you have a quarterback coming in that's never been in big red territory before, right? Like he's never played in the Big Ten. The ACC is pretty much a joke compared to the Big Ten, if you ask me. You know, so he's going to be put in some pressure situations. So anytime you can take some pressure off of him and his arm, because I mean, even at Georgia Tech, he was a 55, 57% completion guy. You don't want to ask him to throw the ball 60 times. That's not what you want out of a guy like that. You want to use him to throw the ball sparingly, but let him use his legs in the zone read game, let us use his legs in the quarterback option game, all those things. And that all comes from having a really good running game and good blocking schemes with the offensive line. It's Jeremiah Searles with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And 
Searles, do you worry about the, the question marks that are still in that Husker backfield with, with Jeff Sims and Anthony Grant and, and with uh, Gabe Irvin? Because Jeff Sims, we, we can assume he's going to be the starter. We don't yeah. quite sure what he's going to bring to the field. But then with that running back position, we don't know who the starter is going to be. I think there's been some momentum towards uh, Gabe Irvin within the past couple of weeks as fall camp's gotten underway. I think you can read into the fact that Gabe Irvin is the one meeting with the media today and not Anthony Grant, along with Ramir Johnson as well. But does that concern you as you, I mean, we've talked before on this show about building chemistry between that offensive line and the guys in the backfield. Does that concern you as it stands right now? Or is there still enough time before the first game? There's still enough time. You know, there, there's definitely still enough. The first two, two and a half weeks of camp are true position battles, right? Like you let guys go out there and you let them see, okay, A, who came into camp in great shape, who came ready to go, all right, who can pick up the quick installs? Because day one through day five install is the heaviest bulk of install, like knowledge-wise, for an offense. Right, so let's get everything installed. Let's see how everyone handles it. And then let's see who starts pulling away from the pack. Right, Let's make sure everyone gets equal opportunities with the ones and the twos and the threes and rotate them through. And then you just need someone to start running away with it. Right, You need someone to just start really making it very, very obvious, like I am the starting running back. And if there isn't someone that's super obvious like that, then you really kind of do running back by committee because unless you're the alpha in that room, might as well give everyone else a shot. So I'm hoping one of those guys here in the next week or so can really step up and be, take that take that leadership role and take the bell cow role and really just become the guy in that offensive in that uh, running back room. Searles, how big a punch in the face is it with Miles Farmer moving on? That's that's a tough one. Yeah, you know that that one stings um, mostly just because of the, the defense that we're going to run three three five. You want to have five DBs on the field. You want to have DBs that you know, kind of have played a lot, have a lot of experience, right? Like Miles Farmer had his flaws, but he had experience. And, you know, so not having him back there to help get things set up and do all of that, that's definitely going to hurt, you know, but leaves opportunity for some young players, leaves some opportunity for guys like Gifford. You know, I, I can think of a couple guys off the top of my head that are going to be itching to get on the field. So, you know, now it's another battle for another spot to get out there and really show some hungry guys. Searles, do you fall into the, the category of the people who believe that in year one, setting the culture and getting that right for the future is more important than getting results on the field. Cause I think that's the, the two different sides of this miles farmer argument is there's one side you're concerned because he was an experienced guy who, who's probably going to be uh, more dependable on that back end than somebody who hasn't played a lot of snaps in the big 10. But on the other hand, you have that culture setting expectation where, you know what, we're going to develop a culture here of guys that want to compete guys that want to be here and guys that do it the right way. And we're going to put a guy in the field that does it the right way and competes. Which side of that coin are you on? Oh, I'm fully on the culture side fully because you know you have to show that no one is above the standard or no one is above it right mm -hmm. like their standard is here and like just because you played a lot of football just because you've done a lot of things doesn't mean you get to get away with more right that's not how it works the standard is set for everyone and granted i'll say this miles farmer isn't he's not nadamican sue he's not levante david randy gregory like he's not this guy that's going to be a true complete game changer you know some of those guys and you know what it's not fair life's not fair but if you're really really good at football you can get away with a lot more stuff, right? You just can't. And so, like, yeah, there's this, but, like, as a new coach and the way it's set, you have to show everyone that, like, this is the way, this is how we do things. And I think as much as it hurt for that, I think Coach Rule had to set an example. Did uh, rules get bent that often for some of those game changers during your era? In, in the NFL, yes. College, no. Um, not while I was there, but in the NFL, oh yeah, there's there's always a lot more grace when the more dollar signs you have behind your name.
Yeah. Won't ask you to name the Grace. That's okay. <laughs> Cyril's with I, I us. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. And I said, we're not going to get it out of I can, I can no probably, chance. I can throw out about five names and we'll just nod silently together. Yeah. Blink so, twice if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> Cyril's is in a hostage situation. Uh, so let's talk about what really connected with you. There's been a lot of emphasis and effort, Cyril's, by the coaching staff to spend time with the the. The, the kids and uh, the players and, and really get to be with them on a personal level and then show they care, mean it, be sincere, and then have that translate to action on the field. Uh, tell me a little bit about Coach Garrison, Mr. Garrison, and, and Coach Cotton, how they really connected with you. Yeah, you know, it was a little different back then um, with the fact that they could only have like one meal a year where they could like pay for it and bring us to their house. Right, like, and so there's always one time a year where Coach Barney or Coach Garrison would have like barbecue catered mm-hmm. in, and we'd all come over to the house, we'd all hang out and and do that. But like, majority of the time was just them being around. Right, they just they'd be around at practice at, or at practice at workouts, like, and their door was always open, so you know you could come up and check in on them, and they'd check in on you. Right, like it was just very much they they just they, they were kind of handcuffed a little bit more by the rules back then. Uh, versus now I'm pretty sure there's a lot lot more leniency for how much you can pay for and how much you can do and how much you can incorporate players and coaches in events, right? Um, you know, so it was a little different then, but you know, but the one thing I always knew with Garrison and Cotton and even Pellini was they always had my back because mm-hmm. they made it very apparent that like as long as you don't back me into a corner, I will have your back. Right? Like if you back me into a corner where I have no option but to not be able to defend you, then you did that to yourself. But they just made it always so clear that they had our backs. And I think that that's what this staff is trying to do as well, is that's how you do it. When you make those personal relationships with the players and the coaches, like you can really, when someone says, I got you, like you can really believe that. Searles, in terms of turning that that trust into wins and losses, how important is that on game day? It's huge. You know, you got to understand like, hey, coach is going to put me in the right position. But I also like if I have a lot of faith in my coach, I want to show out for him so that he doesn't get his ass chewed by the D coordinator and so on and so forth. Right. Like you put trust in each other and then you want to play well for each other. Right. Those coaches, man, they love those kids that are out there. They want to put them in the best position to succeed. Right. They want to give them the most opportunity to make the play. And, you know, that just comes at a trust factor where even if sometimes there's a disagreement. Right. Having a disagreement is going to happen in football. Right. Tempers run hot. Emotions run hot on game day. But having that mutual respect to where that disagreement doesn't turn into a temper tantrum or it doesn't turn into a blow up like it can be handled in a respectful way. That's really important, too. And that's going to be something that's going to happen this year. It just is new staff. No one knows how this staff operates on game day as a player. No one knows how a certain player all of a sudden goes from Jekyll to Hyde you know, during, during a game or whatever it may be, like there's going to be some growing pains in that. But if you can fall back on the foundation of trust and respect that you've built throughout this off season, then that's going to really be where that can then learn and grow and come from. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So PJ Fleck, what did you think of him at Big Ten Media Days as he responded to the Colt accusations? Elite. Um... You know, I think it's hard for me. I, I have a little bit of a tainted view. You know, I have a lot of respect for Fleck and what he's done up there because obviously I I've, I represent two Gopher players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there are stories that I've heard that make me question certain things of Coach Fleck. You know, the um, the fact that he has to be applauded when he walks into his team. Is that room. serious? That's a real thing. I, I've no seen, way. I, I feel comfortable saying that because I've read enough articles about it. Like it's out there in the real world. Um, you know, like they he's. 
gets stood up and applauded on his way into the um, <laughs> team meeting room. And that's been you know, since but, like Western Michigan. That's been yeah, that was the thing that started well, but that's at Western. Like, but like, like naming, giving yourself a nickname. You know, you want the you want authentically, organically the applause. You know, I'll say this: if what if what was come if what has come out about him is true, he will be fired. They, so the fact that none of it has been kind of backed by a lot of fact right now makes me think that, you know, it is. But at the same time, I do think that what he sells and what he does is somewhat cultish, but it's a lot of just the culture that he's built and people have bought in. It's why they win games. You know, like they're not winning 12 games every year, but they're sure winning a lot more games than a lot of teams out there in the country. Hmm. You know, but I'll say this and I'll end with this. I think all that stuff is great, but as soon as you start losing games, the gimmick wears off quick. The gimmick wears off quick of rowing the boat and reading everybody poops and all that stuff. Like that all wears off when you're all of a sudden six and six. You're like, wait, why the hell am I doing this again? So it'll be curious to see how that team does this year because they don't have the talent as a on a as an offensive line or defensive line, but they do have some really good skill position players this year. Cyril's will get caught up again soon. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. I absolutely appreciate you guys. Go big red. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency Hall of Fame coach with Colorado and Northwestern, Gary Barnett with his coach. It's been a while. How are we doing? Doing well. It's about that time. Lots of things have happened since we last talked. We've got, uh, uh, we're in a new conference. Practice has started. So all of a sudden, uh, we were the first. I think olive out of the jar. It looks like there's going to be others. Do you? Uh, are you a big olive guy? Are you a martini fan? No, no, no. I'm not. No, no. I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I could have said something else. No, but you're I, fine. So. I just had to ask. Uh, shake no. or stirred? I I don't see no, you as a martini no. guy. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, so, what do you think here? Uh, what's old is new again. Uh, got the U-Haul and heading back to the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's uh, but you know what? It's it's the best move for Colorado and and uh, hopefully the Big Twelve as well. But uh, you know, we all we all moved on because of reasons at the time, and um, and those you know for us that's changed at Colorado. I mean, that, what we've got out in the Pac-12 now is dissolving, and the rights you know we're we're leaving. 10, 20 million dollars on the table by staying in the Pac-12 every year, and at at this point in time, and and uh, the way sports are going, and athletic departments are independent, and the money they have to raise now, um, you know, you've got to look out for yourself, and I think that's what Rick George in Colorado was doing. I mean, I don't think anybody wanted to, but we just felt like we had to. I think Gary Barnett with us, coach. What can Coach Prime? do in the state of texas from a recruiting standpoint getting back into the big 12 well i know just in my conversations with him he wants to recruit the south and he wants to recruit texas as the primary so this falls fits right into what he would hope um and uh, i don't know whether that was ever part of the decision making but i think there were a lot of things but i think that was just maybe one one of those things so, you know, when you look at it from our standpoint, you've got uh, – you don't have to play UCLA and USC anymore. You don't have to play Texas and Oklahoma anymore. So, it's a – you know, it's a – you know, it's a pretty good setup. Now, you're going to play those teams eventually, but um, as far as in-conference play, um, you know, it's it, it makes it a little easier to compete. 
what's the right number for the Big Ten, 18 or 20? That's the other discussion this week. Things are in exploratory phases with the Big Ten. Sounds like Washington and Oregon have been vetted. I don't know that they'll get full shares, but you've kind of detailed just where things are at in the Pac-12. Yeah, well, I think what's the right number, I don't know that we know that yet, and I think whatever the number is next won't be the final number uh, or it won't be the final list of teams. I think there will still be some some movement in and out of some uh, conferences eventually. And so, But I think 20, uh, I, I think I said all along eight years ago that it would be 20 uh, in the Big Ten, 20 in the SEC, or a combination of looks like the Big 12 is going to, going to be able to stand up to, um, you know, being totally ripped apart. But uh, I think that uh, those three conferences are going to sur- survive as as maybe some of the ACC. I don't know, but there's lots of talk this morning. Florida State wanting to get out. That means Clemson will want to get out. North Carolina will be right behind. So, you know, it. like I said, with Colorado pulling out, it just uh, starts – starts the whole ball rolling for realignment okay uh take your buff hat off for a moment gary barnett gets to pick four teams to add to his league who are you adding well if i'm if i'm in the big 10 i'm taking oregon washington i'm taking notre dame and i'm taking north carolina okay that's what i'm doing so that that was That'd be a, a dream get. I don't know that it's doable. Or, or do you think Notre Dame's more open to it? Well, I think you know Notre Dame's alignment with the ACC is because there's four or five other private schools there, and uh, private schools need each other for support and voting and and the way they look at things. So that I think the the one that would be the hardest in that mix would be to get Notre Dame. But Notre Dame's going to have to eventually make a decision, and that time may be now or in the next year or so. What do you believe about Cal and Stanford as far as the other two teams? Is that an appeasement for the academic side? I I know that Stanford's not far removed from the the, the Harbaugh and Luck era. They were great, and they've they've been good. They just haven't been good recently. Cal, at one point in time, was a top 10 team. They don't do it on the consistency that they'd like. But uh, do you look at both of those schools? Are they no-brainer ads for, for the Big Ten? Or do you, are you hesitant because of what they're not doing uh, on the football field? Well, I think, I think you've got to look at value to some extent and how much value do these teams bring. You know, and I can't make that decision. I think the Big Ten people have to make that decision. But... Um, it's it's all about value right now, and uh, I, I think that in order, in the rumor for years or for a couple of years has been if you're if Notre Dame's going to come in, uh, they're going to bring Stanford mm-hmm. and maybe Cal with them. So that may be what happens. I don't know, but it's a possibility. Florida State and Clemson are they more of a fit? for the Big Ten or the SEC, and how much of a stink would South Carolina and Florida make about having uh, the other in-state school join their current league? 
they can make a stink. I don't think it's going to make any difference. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you've had Arizona, Arizona State for years, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I mean, I don't I don't get it. So I, I think they're a perfect fit for the SEC. And uh, I think the SEC would be, you know, it would be a great move to get them. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio Coach. Nebraska's been getting busy this week as well with fall camp. And I want to ask you about Coach Tony White and the the three three five defense. You know, how good can a defense that's so intricate like this be in year one? What are your concerns with a year one in this style of defense? And what are your what are your confidence confidences like with okay, it could pop or or really kind of get downhill in a great way uh, this season for Nebraska? Well, you know, the three three five is intricate, but all defenses are intricate uh, when you sit down and break them down. And uh, the three three five was set up, was created pretty much to stop spread offenses. How much of that are you going to see? Um, you know, it's, it's a complicated offense to block until you block it. And then when you block it, it you, you can really – uh, use it up pretty well so it's um you know it's been around now and and people have refined it uh, tcu used it um number of schools it says can it hold up uh in a, in a conference where uh it may become it can become run oriented at different times of the year now i think that thinking sort of is out of style now mm-hmm. that that the big Ten is just a run first off offensive conference i think that's changed but i think the 335 was set up to handle today's contemporary offenses and um you know for years the spread offense was ahead of everybody else well now the 335 sort of sort of catches up to it a little bit and you gotta you gotta block it now you can't read it you can't read your way through that one like you could the old defenses so it's when i say read it with your with your spread option attack mm-hmm. off uh the option part of it so now it's it's just harder to read and it's a little harder to block <clears throat> so you know i think it'd work fine it's just you know and get your players to believe in it. it's whatever they believe in and you believe in is what works Gary Barnett, couple more minutes. He is off to practice with the Buffs as uh, Nebraska, Colorado inching closer. We're going to be out in Boulder. Going to be excited to, to see Nebraska, Colorado lock horns again. Coach, uh, really impressed to, to sit down with Coach, I should say, with Jeff Sims, Nebraska's quarterback, and uh, had some time with him at Media Days and has put on some weight. He's going to come in about 2.30. Uh, very athletic, really great, great arm. And what uh, what do you think about Sims and what's his bar? Uh, what do you think he needs to be able to do this year? That's all pending on a better offensive line, of course. But really, really big-time talent behind center for Nebraska this season. Well, I think he needs to stay healthy, number one, yeah. because it drops off. every Almost every school it drops off when you go to number two. So, one, he's got to stay healthy, which means, one, he can't get hit. He's got a, you know, the offensive line has got to protect him. He's got to know when to get rid of the ball. They got to limit maybe how much he runs. Uh, a running quarterback who has instincts to, to leave the pocket quickly, there's not much you can do. You, you, you can't slow him down because if you slow him down too much, then he, he throws a late pass. Uh, and so 
it's you know it's a little harder actually dealing with a quarterback like that that is is got more instincts to run maybe than to throw so um you know your offensive line never knows where he's going to be uh so you know it'll be an interesting thing it'll be interesting to see how they build their offense around him but when you have a quarterback like that you need two because uh as much running well you saw adrian martinez last year and you see him through the years i mean that's that was sort of typical of Adrian. You know, he got hurt last year, and Kansas State had to do it without him. So, yeah, that's that's the issues that you have is you got to have one behind him that's that you can you believe in and can play with. I think it's going to be more of a quality run attack versus a quantity. At least yeah. that's what Coach Rule right. said said yeah. to us. Yeah. What yeah. do you think of the Buffs offense? Tell me about some of the the uh, the weapons, the quarterback. What have you seen so far? Well. Uh, what I've seen is the skill level is is better than it's been, and our question mark is going to be the same as yours up front, offensive line and defensive line. You know, are we as good? Uh, we're not as good in those two positions as we are in the skill positions right now. Now that doesn't mean we can't be, and doesn't mean we won't get there. But early on, that's what it looks like to me. What have you thought of Dion's camp so far? You know, we've only had one practice. Today will be the second one. So it's hard to tell. It's organized. It's quick. It didn't last long, you know, an hour and five minutes yesterday. I don't know if it'll be much longer than that today. So uh, he's just got a different approach to it. But but it's fast and furious. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, enjoy practice. Thanks for a few minutes today. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Good to say hi to Barney and uh, spend some time on Nebraska. What Coach Prime's got cooking in Boulder and all the conference realignment. So some good stuff. Check that podcast out if you just got part of the interview. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, not only with Coach Barnett, but with Jeremiah Searles this hour. Some uh, thoughts as we wind down a Thursday. Open phones till 6-489-1240. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Thursday edition, Hale Varsity Radio. You can find the show streaming, Hale Varsity YouTube, and on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Give that a, a follow if you do want. And a reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol impaired driver. Why take chances? If you drink, don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Head back to the phones. 800-825-5865 or 489-1240. Bill and Carney with us. Bill, thanks for calling. Appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Appreciate your show, and thanks for taking the call. I just, I'm really curious on your thoughts on the 335 and how they attack the quarterback, because every time I watch a game, whether it's the Huskers or the pros, the first two series for each team, to me, dictate how I feel the game is going to go. And if, your quarterback is the one scrambling around, and on the other side of the ball, you're not putting pressure on the quarterback. Then it doesn't make a difference. It's it's game over. Whoever's winning the trenches, those first two series seem to make the biggest difference. So I'm curious on your take. I'm excited about the offensive line being in attack mode. That makes sense to me. But the defense in that three three five, it sounds like that's the mentality. But I'm curious on your take, and from what you know, are we going to see a difference? in those first couple of drives, let alone across the game, but as a reference in 
how much they pressure the quarterback and is that guy a scrambling? No, absolutely. Good point, Bill. Appreciate you calling. We'll hit on that right now. And you look at the three-three-five. it is a pressure defense. Coach McBride's touched on it. Coach White has talked about it. And its job is to be good enough against the run where you're not getting exploited with those natural gaps. What do you have with the five people in the secondary? You want hybrid guys. You want those hybrids that can cover, yes, but can fly, can be fast, can get to the ball carrier. And you look at 3-3-5 defenses, what do they do? There's a boatload of forced turnovers because of confusion. Uh, 3-3-5 also allows a lot of splash plays defensively because you don't know where a certain defender could be coming from. Are you running into the teeth of it? Are they getting you from the backside? And uh, TCU, case in point, they had a monster number of TFLs against Michigan when they upset Michigan. So you're getting athletes. You may not, you may give up some size, but it doesn't mean you need to give up some strength and you're sure as heck not giving up the athleticism. And to me, I think it'll, it'll be all right. You want to be attacking. You want to be fast. And that speed can kill. That speed can win. And two points uh, when it comes to this defense, and Mitch Sherman made it this week, and he's right, your rover and your jack linebacker, right? That's going to be the MJ Sherman at the jack linebacker bringing that pressure. You're going to need interior pressure and stout run stoppage uh, with your three down linemen, or if you bring a fourth down. It's also multiple, Elijah. It allows you to probably put your best foot forward with what players you have to match up against the offense's strengths. Well, think about what you can do in terms of that that flexibility defensively. Are you necessarily going to get pressure from your three-down defensive lineman? You can, but it's not where the pressure is built from in this defense. You're going to send a, a linebacker on a blitz. You're going to send a, a slot corner on a blitz because or you know safety or yeah because you know you have a, a guy playing rover linebacker and Eric Fields or Isaac Gifford, whoever ends up winning that spot, who is fast enough to go be able to cover the wide receivers of the Big Ten. And do you want him doing that every single play? No, probably not. But if you do send that corner on a blitz, which the offense isn't going to see coming, you you feel good that you have a guy that in your linebacker core that can go out and fill that spot admirably while your corner blitzes. Or if you send a safety, you, you send a couple of linebackers. That That's what the point of this 3-3-5 defense is, is the offense knows pressure could be coming from anywhere. It's not necessarily the fact that your defensive end is going to beat your tackle on a straight pass rush, but your defensive end is going to dart inside, the tackle is going to follow him, and it's going to leave a, a free route to the cornerback for your, for uh, a free route to the quarterback for your corner coming off the edge. That, that's what the 3-3-5 is built on, is being able to send guys from anywhere, being able to send guys from everywhere, and the offense isn't going to know where it's going to be coming from. So it might not look like that traditional defensive pressure that you think of whenever uh, you're talking about these NFL teams, what the first couple drives look like. It's not necessarily Von Miller beating his guy off the edge. It's not Miles Garrett beating his guy off the edge. It's not getting that power it's rush up the good. middle from J.J. Watt. It's the fact that there could be guys coming from anywhere and the offensive line is going to get confused. And even if they do pick it all up, you feel good about what you have on the back end because of, of how flexible that defense is. Well, and, and Brennan nails it. You're going to keep the O-linemen yep. on their toes. You're going to have to think and prepare and then react. And are you a step or two slow because you're trying to figure out and decipher what is happening? And, and think about the advantage that you have on, on a home field with that sense where the offensive line, every single time they come up to the line of scrimmage, they have to think in their head, 
okay, this is the play we have called here. If this guy comes, this is what we have to do. But if this guy comes, it, compl- it changes our blocking scheme completely here. If this guy comes, if they shade here, there's so many different things that's going to be going through an offensive line's pre-snap. Combine that with the home field advantage of Memorial Stadium where you can't hear your quarterback calling out the signals, and it can create a lot of confusion with that offensive line. Keeping the offensive line on their toes is exactly what the three-three-five is supposed to do. That's how it's supposed to stress them. Well, and think of the success and splash plays you saw from a Jojo Doman. Mm. You're getting more and more of those type players on the field. Now, you got to be able to hold up and tackle in space and against the run, but that athleticism, that difference is going to be paramount here for this defense. You just can't get murdered in the run game, and I know that's a concern for some Nebraska fans. Let's see it work. Uh, Looking back and Taking interest in the Minnesota versus Syracuse game. Coach White was no longer at Syracuse, but his defense was, and Minnesota still won the ball game, but they didn't do it their way. It was 22 rushes for 78 yards for Mo Ibrahim, and they still somehow won because of turnovers. So get turnovers, cause TFLs, make third down miserable, and then uh, bring people from where they're not. How'd Nebraska beat Iowa? Well, they got off to a great start. They had Trey Palmer. But how many times did the defense on third down, Bill Bush had his corners and safeties blitzing. And typically you'd see a a, a, a nickel, JoJo, for example, come late and off the edge, right, especially on the weak side. Well, you had a couple of Nebraska's uh, safety or rover types last year, uh, Ma, Maga Clemens, had a great first half, like two sacks and a, and a forced fumble that Gary Nelson recovered. That's what this is supposed to do and, and make a splash play to set up an offense with a short field. And the trade-off that you're going to have to have with that is if you are bringing guys from everywhere on the field, you're going to open yourself up to the chance of the big play. Because you know what? If you run perfectly into the they'll blitz... Hit, they'll hit a seam. <laughs> you hit a seam, and now it's one-on-one with the safety or one-on-none, and it's Blake Corum going 75 yards to the house. That's the risk you run with the three-three-five. But the trade-off is that you're hoping you get enough splash plays that the, the occasional big play that you give up doesn't hurt you in the long run. You know what? We've set up our offense on a short field enough that the fact that we gave up a 75-yard touchdown isn't going to hurt us because our offense already has 21 points on the board and we set them up on short fields twice. Are they 5 and eight, uh, of 18 on third down? That, yes. Are they, are they minus 1 or 2 in the turnover battle? I, I, not knowing how the defense is going to look this year, I can guarantee you there's going to be some big plays this defense gets up or gives up that Husker fans are going to be scratching their head about how are you giving that up. That's the trade-off with the 3-3-5. It's about making those big plays. And as you, you kind of laid out with the TCU game against Michigan, it's about making plays in the backfield. Are, are you going to give up a 60-yard run to Donovan Edwards? Yeah, it's going to happen. It could happen anyway. <laughs> but you had more tackles for loss against that Michigan team than anyone else did last year. That's the trade-off. It, it, it could happen anyway. You could, you could Michigan's just that good as an yeah. example. But, no, you got to have the personnel. And uh, Nebraska can – recruit to this system, and get some real specimens uh, that, are, that are very physical and also quick to get the quarterback. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for all the uh, input today and the stream, phone calls, emails. And uh, we'll get ready and do it again tomorrow. A big thanks to Jeremiah Searles, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel. Today, uh, we'll check in with uh, Brady Oltman's tomorrow. Uh, some recruiting thoughts from him. Thoughts on the camp. Pride of Fairbury. Bill Dolman going to be with us. Busy week for Nebraska basketball. Jacob Padilla going to be with us 
uh, in that first hour. 489-1240, 489-1240. So let's hear a little bit from Gabe Irvin before we say fare thee well. And uh, Irvin checks in as he spent time in front of the media. Uh, we've talked a lot about the running back committee. You've got roles, yes, but you've got a competitive spirit in that room. And, well, Gabe Irvin asked about the idea of a committee. No, I want to be the guy. No, I really want to be the guy. But we have running backs that, you know, Coach Rule is going to, you know, rotate all of us. You know, it's going to be like, oh, one, two, one, three, you know. So they're going to keep on coming. You know, Coach Rule talks about relentless. We're going to be a relentless running back around. Like, they're not going to only not be able to stop me. They're not going to they're not gonna only be able to stop Ramir Johnson, Anthony Grant, Emmett Johnson. You know, we all got it. You know, so that's what's going to make the difference in our running back room. We're going to be so relentless. So he's confident. He's in a great spot. He is feeling healthy. He's feeling strong. He is turning heads. He's able to get better and stay healthy. 75 yards in the fourth quarter. Book it, says many Nebraska fans. Gabe Irvin, can that happen this fall? You got to rise to the occasion. You know, that's what that's what this practice goes to. You know, you got to take every day of this practice like it's a game. So with Minnesota in this fourth quarter, and I got to go down in there. It'll be easy for me. You know, it's just it's just nothing new. You know, you just got to go to work. So that was a couple of thoughts from Gabe Irvin. Um, let's hear from EJ Barthel on Gabe Irvin as uh, we put a bow on the running back day. That's what today was. It was about running backs. In that running game, and here is uh, the running backs coach on Gabe. I think mentally he's really accepted um, his daily approach. You know, I think the spring, um, the one thing was teaching him how to be a a guy, right? What I mean by that is like as far as how you prepare for practice, how you take care of your body, right? Uh, your expectations when coming in the meeting room, coming in the meeting room prepared, right? He's really he's really accepted it in the spring. But now he's showing, right, he's really, really confident, really focused on the daily task at hand, but also and being a really mature player off the field. That's the key, you know what I mean? The chance to work with Christian McCaffrey, you got to saw that. Guys like Mike Davis when we were at Carolina as well. You got to see how they prepared. And that's the biggest emphasis that Gabe has, 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 um, um, has accepted um, since we've gotten here is that he's really took, the, took, took ownership of being a mature veteran player which is hard to do when you haven't played a lot. He's not been here long, but it is a job. Do you want to be great? Got to put the work in and then do the big things, yes, but the little things as well. And and you heard that from Gabe whenever he was talking about that 75 yards in the fourth quarter. Well, it comes down to to treating practice like a game, treating this like it's Minnesota. And if I do that over the course of the next month, I'm going to be ready whenever my number is called in the fourth quarter and I need to go rack up 75 yards rushing like Matt Rowe wants me to do. Those two cuts we just heard go in unison from, you know, Barthel saying he's doing things the right way and then Gabe Irvin come out and saying the right things. It, it's it's what it is. It, it's a coach and a running back that are in unison. I think that's why I'm, there's momentum towards Gabe Irvin and his potential to be the number one guy when, when we start the game against Minnesota here in a couple weeks. Same page is a beautiful thing. Uh, big thanks to the folks who chimed in on the stream. We'll be back tomorrow at 4. With Hale Varsity Radio, get the download, the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Have a good night. A Huda Media Production.